Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Amen and amen. Ooh. Yes, hallelujah. Thank God uh, for our... Uh, Thank God for our privilege to gather and worship, uh, to lift high the name of Jesus, and he alone uh, is worthy of our praise. So grateful that you are here this morning. If you're a guest uh, with us this morning, my name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors here, and I am uh, just excited to uh, just dig into the Word of God. If you are uh, connected online, if you're not able to be here uh, in presence with us this morning, but connected online, we, uh, we're so grateful that you are with us as well. I saw uh, as we were starting out, uh, one of our brothers who is in uh, the hospital at Mission was joined in there, and it just reminds me how grateful uh, I am for just the, the way that God has given us the ability uh, just to connect even when we are away. And so uh, thank God for, for that. Uh, we're going to be in uh, Philippians chapter 4 today. We're going to focus on verses 14 through the end of the chapter. If you've been with us on this journey, uh, we are in week 16 uh, going through the book of Philippians. And this one, Lord willing, uh, we're going to finish uh, the course today. We're going to finish Philippians excited just to see what God has for us. It's been a, a, a great blessing to journey uh, together in God's word. And uh, let, let's, uh, let's just get in it. At, uh, if you will, stand to your feet with me. We're going to read. Uh, and, and if you know uh, my heart in the midst of all this, I want to remind you that context is king. And so when we read scripture, we want to read it in context. We want to journey in that. And you're going to see some familiar verses that you've heard uh, probably taken out of context a lot of times in what we read uh, today. Again, we're going to focus on verse 14 through the end of the chapter, but I want to rewind all the way uh, to verse 10, which is where we were at last week. And we want to just look at this in uh, context this morning. So beginning in Philippians 4, uh, starting in verse 10, uh, join me together as we read. Scripture says this, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak from want, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I know also, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of both being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction. You yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. But I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Father, we thank you for your word. 
God, we pray that in the power of your spirit, God, that you might illuminate it, God, that you might allow our hearts to receive what you would have for us this morning, God. May you help uh, us to, to rightly divide uh, the truth of your word, and Lord, may you, uh, may you accomplish everything, God, that you've sent it forth to do, Lord, and may we, uh, as your people, God, respond in obedience, surrender. God, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, uh, that's never trusted in you for salvation, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would draw them today, God, and that there might be, uh, Lord, a surrender and repentance, and God, that they might pass from death to life. Lord, we pray, God, for uh, your blessings on everyone here, Father, and we pray you would uh, allow us to leave different than we came, God, not because of anything uh, in me, but because of your word and the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, uh, amen. You may be seated uh, this morning. Uh, you know, when uh, I got to this passage in Philippians and I began to think about uh, just where we were at in the scriptures, I, I was reminded that really one of the things that I struggled a bunch with when uh, I was an early, uh, really a young Christian and early in my faith journey was this thought of giving, this thought of generosity, this thought of, uh, of sharing. And I remember you know, when I, I would go to different churches, I would be invited somewhere. And uh, when, when I would go there, there, there were times that I was in a service and it felt like, honestly, it felt like the only thing that uh, anybody cared about in, in, in that day for me. And, and it may have been more my posture and where I was at, but it seemed like the only thing that was important when I walked in uh, to that church was uh, that, that somehow I'd give, that I would feel like there was a, a pressure or some type of even manipulation uh, in those moments. I, I was at this one revival meeting pretty, pretty shortly after I became a Christian. And, and when I, I was there, you know, we, we, we gathered and and this guy came out and he gave a pretty lengthy speech and he said something to the effect of, you know, I believe the Lord. And, and anytime somebody says, I believe the Lord told me, and then they don't have a verse, I'm always pretty cautious. Um, but he said, I believe the Lord said that there's going to be this person that uh, is, is, is going to give this amount. It was this big, you know, amount of money. And as soon as he said it, I was like, this is, this is not cool, you know. And, and he says, hey, and, and that person, he said, if you would, he said, I want you to stand up. And, and I've been reading like, you know, don't let your right hand know what the left hand. And when you give, give and see. And I'm, you know, I'm learning about all this stuff, but he's like, I want you to stand up. And so all of a sudden this guy pops up, you know, and people are clapping and I am just not happy with all this moment, you know, and then it just kind of went on down and he was like, Hey, and, and if, if somebody's here and you'll give this amount, then stand up. And it just kind of went on down. And, and I was listening to all that. And the more and more I listened, the more nauseous I became and the, the less uh, I was into anything that was going on that day. And it got down to the point that uh, they were like, Hey, if you're willing to give a dollar, you know, stand up. And, and I'd already decided that old, that old song, uh, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. I was like, you know what? <laughs> I ain't giving a penny, you know, that's what I'm saying. And, uh, and so, you know, everybody's standing up but me and I was just fine with that, you know? And, and then, you know, Sherry and I got married and, and we were trying to really navigate the, kind of this journey and we had some different backgrounds. Her dad was a pastor and she began to talk to me. She was like, you know, I, I believe we need to, uh, to tithe. And I'm like, you know, I, and, I, and I'll be honest. I mean, I kind of heard that term and I'm like, I don't even really fully get like what that is, you know? And she's like, I think we need to tithe. And I'm like, she's trying to explain a little bit of what that looks like in our, our midst. And I had this bad taste that I already had with this kind of manipulative stuff. And I'd already seen on TV, like some guy, 
uh, with a jet telling, you know, like you mail some money in, I'm promising all the blessings, you know, and this prosperity gospel mess and all these things that are out there. And, and I'm just not, uh, not feeling it, you know, in those moments. And, uh, you know, I, I'd shared with you before when I first started dating Sherry, I didn't have this great, you know, biblical knowledge. Not that I have it now, but it was certainly not then. And I met some of her family. They got a dog named Shadrach. I'm like, uh, where in the words y'all get that name? That's cool. That's awesome, man. Love, you're creative, you know? And so we're, uh, we're kind of walking through those things. So I'm learning and, you know, I, I'll be honest, even as I, I think about just my role as a pastor, if there's been, if, if there's one area of preaching that, uh, that maybe I shy away from a bit, uh, maybe that, that is a, a place that, that you, you don't hear a lot of our area, it's in this area. Um, you know, I, I guess because I've heard so many things that are, are, are just so unbiblical and so many things where, where it, it just didn't set well with me in churches. And one of the things a lot of times people hear, uh, you know, go through an entire service and you never hear us say a word about even where to give the offering, what to do. There's no like plate that's passed. And, you know, a lot of visitors will come up to me as they're leaving and they're like, do y'all take up like an offering or something? And I'm like, yeah, we got some boxes. So there's like a box in the back and, you know, we, we give through the app and we've got those kind of things. And but, you know, we want to, and I've always felt like, hey, when, when a person's heart's right, then their giving is right. And that's kind of, kind of the, the place that I've been. But, you know, these interesting discussions and things that Sherry and I had, I, I understood through those that I had never really had a biblical understanding of giving. And, and especially this reality that it, was, that it was part of our worship to God. And, and, and you know, some of the greatest things that some of you already done, some of the greatest worship, we, we worshiped in an incredible way, right, as the band pointed us to Jesus. That's what we do, right? And, you know, some people say that their job, right, is to usher us into the presence of God. I want you to understand that they can't do that. Only Jesus can do that. And they can point us to Jesus. And Jesus ushers us in to the presence of God. And, and one of the greatest ways that some of you have already worshiped uh, today, this week, is through your giving, through uh, putting an offering in that box or when you gave online. And we don't want to get, we, I'm so grateful that we have these methods and these ways that we give, but we don't want it to turn in to something that is just routine and something that means nothing. But, but we recognize that it is worship uh, to our great God. And, and Sherry would have this heart that, first of all, she wanted to go to church all the time, like I was like, man, where? And then, and then she's like, and we could serve on this and this and this. And I'm like, I'm tired already just talking about it. Right? And she's like, well, we want to, you know, we want to give God our, our first and our best. We, we want to give him our time. We want to give him uh, our, our, of our resources, of our giving. And, and I'm, you know, hearing all these kind of things, this reality of, of giving back and trusting him with what he's, he's given to us in, in, in this worship. I read a quote in a book on worship that I've been reading by H.B. Charles, and it says so much about the passage that we're in, and this, the quote goes like this. It says, the true worshiper gives himself to the Lord first and foremost. With a life devoted to the Lord, we offer our possessions to acknowledge his authority over our lives, give thanks for his undeserved goodness to us, and invest in the kingdom of heaven. You know, over time, as I began to understand more of the word of God and my trust in him, continue to grow my understanding of, of giving change, my understanding of the purposes about that. But what I was reminded of this week as I studied that in that season, my generosity and my giving, they revealed some things about me. They revealed some things about where I was in, in my commitment to the Lord. They revealed some things about my lack of understanding 
they revealed some things uh, about so many places. And, and, and I committed, I said, you know, when, when we walk through the scriptures and, and if you have been with us, we've been 16 weeks in Philippians. And when uh, the scriptures talk about giving, I'm going to talk about giving. And, and that's kind of my, my heart. Whatever the scripture's talking about, that's what we're going to talk about. And I want to ask this question. And it's a question that uh, kind of I examined as I walked with Sherry and we began to, to navigate some of this years ago. But this question is simply this, and it's the title of the sermon, What Does Our Giving Reveal? And one of the things I've always asked is, and with this kind of reserved place in my heart, like I, I've always just kind of, you know, only when it comes up in scripture, are we talking about it. If you've been here, you've probably never heard a giving talk in a service. And, and I'm so grateful uh, for a, a generous body of believers that give not under compulsion, but in obedience and in, in because and out of love for Christ. But I've asked myself this question, how is a pastor Am I supposed to look at giving? How as a, as a pastor, am I supposed to communicate to our church about giving? And, and I believe the Apostle Paul answers that question in, in these final verses. And so we're going to lean in this morning. And, and point number one that I want you to see is our giving reveals partnership. Look at verse 14 with me. And if you're following along in the app, you'll see uh, some fill in the blanks there in the sermon notes. But our giving reveals partnership. Verse 14, he said, nevertheless, you've done well to share with me in my affliction. Now, Paul has encouraged this church. He has encouraged them with thanksgiving for their generosity. And he is a grateful pastor, right? This letter has come. Uh, this, this letter is going with Epaphroditus. This gift has come with Epaphroditus. And he is sending this letter back uh, with him, thanking them uh, for this gift. And he's saying, as we remembered last week, not speaking from need, not speaking. This is not why I'm content. I found my contentment in Jesus Christ, but he sends them this letter and he says that I, he is, is grateful for their generosity. And if you remember the very first week, as we looked at this letter, the apostle Paul would use words like this. He would say, I, I'm thankful for your partnership in the gospel from the beginning until now. So he says, there's, there's this thankfulness, there's this gratitude, and their giving was part of the, the progress of the gospel in Paul's ministry. They had given to see the gospel go forth. Verse 15 and 16, he says, you yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my Needs. Now, Paul had left Philippi. He had traveled uh, to Thessalonica. And, and these Philippians, this Philippian church, who what we understand about them is that they were struggling financially, that they uh, would share and they would send people with gifts to meet the needs that Paul would have and encourage him on mission. Paul leaves Macedonia. And what we, what we read is they're the only ones that continue. He says, I left Macedonia and no church shared with me, but you alone. And this was evidence, right, that they were committed to the work that God was doing. And it, and it feels good to be sharing. I, I'm, when the Philippian church got this letter and they read it, and when they were uh, sending these gifts with them, it felt good to be part of what God was doing. When, when we arrived in Honduras uh, a few weeks ago, and, and I thank God for a church that is generous and a church that gives that allowed our students to go on a mission trip uh, uh, to San Pedro Sula, Honduras, to engage in mission there and, and to offset some of the costs so that it was possible uh, for our students to be part of a trip 
like that to engage and to send supplies, to send things that would bless them. And when we got there, there was a joy in those people in Honduras because they recognized our partnership with them. They recognized, hey, we look to them and the work that's going there. And we want to come alongside and encourage and spur that along and engage in mission with them. It was a beautiful thing. When we engaged that way, we, we said last week, they weren't simply content and in a good place because we were there. Their contentment was in Jesus. Their contentment was in what God was doing in that direction. You know, when you think about these mission trips and all the blessings, we, we're blessed more than they were. If you've been on a mission trip like that, you receive more of a blessing than the people that you are serving. And and here's an interesting thing, you students that are in this room, you parents, grandparents, what we've understood and we've studied what it, you know, what is it that, that makes a difference in the life of our students? What are things that make significant impact in their journey for life? And, And what we found is that if a student goes on a international mission trip into a place where they see, uh, and, and, and here's what happens. When we walked in and when we go into San Pedro Sula, you saw pictures last week of the poverty and of the need that was there. And, and as Samuel uh, shared as he was praying, we have bought in to this thing that says, hey, the only way that you can find satisfaction and what you need is more. We said last week that when we're kids, our kids learn some words. They first learn mama. And then they learn mine, and then they learn more. And it carries through our life. And we've bought in our culture says, hey, if you want to find satisfaction, if you want to find joy, if you want to find those things, then it's going to be found in the abundance of things. It's going to be found in that. And when we get out of our of, of our bubble that we live in, in the materialistic world that we live in, and we're able to see what people are living like, and we see the joy that is found in Christ alone in those moments, that it changes perspective, that it changes everything. And those people that we go and minister to, they are blessed. And we, as we go, we are blessed. Your generosity, it makes an impact. And Paul even when Paul went to wealthy Corinth, right? He goes there, and, and, and by the way, those wealthy ones in Corinth, Paul, uh, he wasn't interested in, in the money that they had in their wealth, those proud people, that, in the way that they were there. He wasn't interested in that. It was the Philippians of Macedonia who helped him. Paul would explain to the church at Corinth, and he would say, when I was with you and I was in need, I didn't burden anyone for the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied my need. 2 Corinthians eleven nine. he said, I, I didn't ask y'all for nothing. You can keep y'all stinking money. He, he said, listen, I'm not. And, and he tells them later, he said, God loves a cheerful giver. And, and he says, hey, the, the brothers in Macedonia, they've taken care of every need that I have. They've taken care of the need for the gospel to go for. They've, they've taken care of all that. And by the way, by the way, they're poor. And so here's this, this reality that Paul writes, and the the generosity of this Philippian church was beautiful. And it wasn't out of abundance. It was out of obedience and love for Christ. And they are known for their generosity. They're known for those things. And the church, the the body of Christ should be known for its generosity. And they gave to meet needs in Paul's life. And, And Paul wants them to understand, I'm trusting God to meet my needs. I'm trusting God to do those things, but they are committed to the work that's there. There's this beautiful partnership. Our giving reveals partnership. The second thing, though, it reveals something personal. It reveals progress. Our giving reveals progress. Look at verse 17. He says, not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which, in, which increases to your account. 
Now, Paul sees this church at Philippi, and I've shared with you that I believe it was his favorite church. The way that he wrote, the language, the, the, the way that he communicated to them. And he would write in chapter 1, he would thank God for this partnership from the beginning until now. Then in verse 6, he would say, you know, I, I see the work of God in you. I see uh, how God is growing and how, how God is working in you. And he would say, he who began a good work in you. He said, I'm confident of this very thing, that, that the one, that God who began a good work in you, that he's going to see it through to the day of completion in Christ Jesus. There's this beautiful picture of, of their giving and the way that they engaged that indicated, and it was a measure, right, and, a, and, a, and something that Paul could see their growing relationship with Jesus. It, it's a thermometer. Generosity, your giving, it's not the only indicator of, of spiritual health in the life of a Jesus follower, but it is a measure of those things. And Paul says, I'm interested. He said, I seek for the prophet. He said, I don't seek the gift itself. I seek for the prophet, which increases to your account. Now, that's interesting. Uh, he, he's noted in them that, that they're generous and God is more important than their money. We've all heard it said, you can't take it. We right, we hear that, right? My father-in-law, uh, pastor, he, he would always say, you'll never see a hearse with a U-Haul, right? He'll say, you never can. You can't take it with you. That, that, that's just this this reality that we know. I heard a, a story of a guy, though, he had accumulated a lot of wealth, and he was convinced, I can, I can take it with me. So he had three good friends. He had a pastor, a teacher, and a lawyer. Had these three good friends. He told them, he said, I'm going to divide this money, and here's what I want you to do. Uh, at my service, just before they close the casket, you guys come up there. He said, each of you, just take this, this amount that I've given you. He said, throw it in there before they close the casket, and I'm going to take it with me. So they uh, talked to him. They, they met that day. They go up to the to the front, throw in a little envelope. Afterwards, they're at the graveside. The pastor's feeling a little convicted about all of it. So he gets the guys together and he says, hey guys, I need to, I need to share a little something. He said, I, he said, the church was a little, little tight on funds. And he said, I, I put, you know, he gave us 30,000 a piece. And he said, I, I put 15 in there, but he said, I, I kept 15 and was trying to do some things at the church. And the teacher He's like, all right, I'm, I'm going to come clean. He said, I feel bad too. He said, the school needed some supplies and needed some stuff. He said, I, I kept 10. He said, I put the 20 in there, kept 10 to just kind of go to the kids and do that stuff. And the lawyer, he kind of looks at him. He says, I'm ashamed of all you boys. He said, I wrote him a check for the full amount. <laughs> See, you can't, you can't take it with you. We know that, right? You can choose to, to hoard up and consume it on yourselves. There's a guy named Randy Alcorn that wrote a book called The Treasure Principle. Chris was talking about right now media. There's a, a Bible study in there that's based off of this book that he teaches. But in The Treasure Principle, is simply this. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. Jesus said it this way. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, that's an interesting wording. He didn't say where your heart is, your treasure will follow. He said where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. George Truett uh, who was a Baptist pastor in Texas, was meeting uh, with a very well-off man in the community that invited him over, and he got him up in his house. And he said, you look out that way. He said, uh, 
all that, he said, that belongs uh, to me. He said, all that is, is mine. He said, you look this way. He said, I own all that. He looked behind him. He kind of looked all around. He said, all the way you look. He said, I own all that you can see. And it was said that George Truett looked at him and he said, well, how much do you own in this direction? And it's a question that is relevant to ask. What, what does it tell us? What, what reveals, what is our heart what is revealed about our heart through our treasures, through our resources, through, through our giving? And so not only does our giving reveal partnership, it, it reveals progress in our growth in Christ and in our, in our account, in our work, but it also reveals God's provision in our life. Look at verse 18 and 19. Scripture says this, but I've received everything in full and I have an abundance. I am amply supplied. Having received from Epaphroditus what you sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Our giving reveals provision, God's provision. Paul says what you sent from Epaphroditus, what you sent with him, it's an ample supply. I have everything that I need. And he says something else. He said, it's an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing. This is worship to our God. And he said, it's well-pleasing. Now that word sacrifice, it tells us something about it, right? This word sacrifice, when we give the, the, the picture of our giving, we should feel it, right? People ask sometimes, how much should we give? And, and what does all this look like? And this, this word tithe, that, that simply means tenth. And we see this Old Testament uh, pattern that we would see in that. And in the, the New Testament, as, as those Old Testament believers would come to faith in Christ, we would see that as, as a beginning place that, that they would look. But what we see in the scripture is, is that God loves a cheerful giver. 2 Corinthians 9, 7, he said, each one must do as he is purposed in his heart not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. This thought of us feeling it. You know, we were talking about some of the pastors that were in Honduras. Sherry and I were talking, and we we're like, you know, there's, there's seminaries that are there. There's things that we could do to help further the work that they're doing. There are ways that they sponsor that. There's ways that things are there. And, you know, it would be it would be very easy for us to say on a Sunday or two Sundays a month that says, hey, we're not going to go out to eat that Sunday and we're going to pack us some peanut butter and jelly and we're going to go somewhere and we're going to pray for some pastors and we're going to give what we normally would give for this meal uh, that, that we'll consume and, and feel just the same about 30 minutes after the PB&J, right? But we could take that and say, you know what, we're going to, we're going to not go there and do that and we're going to gather and, and just pray for them and then sponsor them in some way so that they could do that. And, and, and you know, there's a, there's a sacrifice that we can make in this. There's, a, there's something about our giving that should be sacrificial. And, and, and we see this, this gift that was sacrificial and it was pleasing to the Lord. And, and we have to recognize in order to do that, that God owns it all. And, and he has blessed us with some. You know, my kids, when they were in, when they were in school, there would be times that, that uh, around Christmas, you could send some money with them and then they could buy you some Christmas gifts. And then on Christmas, you get to open the gifts you bought, right? And, and, 
And, and what we recognize is that God owns it all. And, and, and he says this, Paul writes to this church at Philippi. He says, y'all have supplied all the needs that I have. God has used you to supply all these needs. And my God is going to supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And Paul says to these Philippians, you've been generous. And just as, though, as God has filled me up through you, so shall he by Christ fill you up. And in this promise, we hear it quoted a lot. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And we quote it and we say all those kind of things. But we want to understand the context of this is Paul's writing to the church at Philippi. And he is confident. He says, y'all have given, y'all have blessed me. Y'all have, have given out of, uh, of not of, of abundance, but even out of poverty. You've given out of those kind of things. And he says, I'm confident that God is going to take care of you. You who have been generous in this promise for these generous Philippians, these, these believers that are not living uh, for their own glory, he says, you can, you can be assured. Now, this doesn't say that he's going to provide all their greed, but he says, I'm confident that my God is going to provide all they need. And he has blessed us, right? When I do premarital counseling, we have a money session and, and kind of the structure of that said, God owns it all. He's blessed us with some and he expects every one of us to be stewards of all he's given it all he's given us. And that doesn't mean that we can't eat out after church and that we can't enjoy things and we can't do all those things, but he expects us to use all that he has entrusted to us in a way that would bring glory and honor to his name, in a way that would communicate our faith and, and our love for him. And he has blessed us. Hear these, these words. He has blessed us to be a blessing. First Timothy 6, verse 17 and 18, instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Did you see that? He says he supplies us with all these things. God has given us all these things that we can enjoy. But then he says, instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Now, I'm going to ask Grant to bring my, my little props up here. My son Grant's coming up uh, with those. But, but I can remember when I got my first job. Uh, I was about 14 or 15 years old. And when I got my first job, I was working at the Big D gas station right up here on Highway 28. And, and when I was working there, I can remember in those moments... Uh, all of a sudden, I got my first paycheck. And when you get your first job, I don't remember what I was making there, but I remember when I started working for Lowe's when I was 16, that I was making $4.25 an hour. And I remember it was a big raise. I was pumped, right? And I can remember when I got my first check at the Big D, like I didn't have a car. My mama, who, who is here, thank you, mama, for driving me all those places, right? She would drive me, drop me off at the Big D. She would pick me up at the Big D. And, and, and here's the thing. She wasn't charging me no gas. She wasn't charging me for any of those kind of things. And when I got that first check, like I opened it up and I looked at that thing and I said, I'm rich. <laughs> this is awesome. Right? I, I, was, I was like so excited because I had more money than I needed. I had more than, than I had. Uh, all. I, I was like so pumped up, right? And, and I thought, man, I'm rich. And here's the thing. When we look in this room, when we look around this room, you are the rich. When the scripture says, I charge those who are rich in this present world, understand that if you have a car, you're 
in the top percentage of the richest people in the world. And not only are we so rich in this room that we have a car, but many of us, we have houses for our cars that are nicer than any of the homes that those people that we were serving in San Pedro Sula had. And when we understand, when God looks at us and he says, I charge those who are rich in this present world to do good. He is talking, not to people that, and we think, and I've heard people say that this concept of rich, this concept of, of wealth, that it's a moving target. And when I was at the Big D, I thought I was rich for just a minute until all of a sudden I had all those payments. And then, man, it was somebody further along than me, somebody with more money than me. And we always are looking and we're saying, well, this person's rich. And if I had a little bit more, and if I had this, and the world says that if I had that, that I would be satisfied and that I would be rich. But what we understand is when we look at the world, the ones, when we read these scriptures that are talking about the rich, they are talking to us. They are talking to us in this world. I saw uh, this illustration in a, uh, a book that I was reading by a guy named Jonathan Pakluda who uh, writes to uh, kind of a younger generation and there was a chapter on generosity. There was a chapter on that and, and he heard a pastor at one time that had given this illustration and, and if you notice at the end of that passage, it said to be generous and ready to share. And the illustration is this, that we have two ways that we can look at our lives and the blessings that God has given us. We can be like a pail where we are just consuming and we are taking those things and we are accumulating those things where we are piling those things up. Or we could be like a pipe. And the thought of these two things is the difference between a container and a conduit. And when we understand that God desires to use each of us to be a conduit of blessing to this world, to be the hands and feet of Christ, and that through our lives and through our time and through our treasures, that what God gives us and, and, and parts of that, listen, he said he's given us all these things to enjoy, but he's not given us these things so that we could consume them on ourselves and we could live discontented, materialistic lives that are greedy and searching for more, but that we might live in a way that we say, you know what, I'm going to enjoy the blessings that God has given me. And some of those blessings have come to me on their way to somebody else. And I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask God, Lord, what do you want to do with my life today? God, how can I bless and how can I be an encourager and how can I make a difference? And I'm going to walk in obedience and instead of, a, of, of just a container, I'm going to be a conduit for the work of God to take place in my life and through my life. And and we recognize that as followers of Jesus Christ, our heart is not simply that we would live for Jesus. We say, you know what, that's a reasonable response uh, to all that he's done for us, that we would live for him. But here's the reality. We miss it and we try in our own flesh, in our own strength. But the gospel says that Jesus came and he lived the life that we couldn't live. And he died a death that we deserved. And that when we surrender our lives to him, when we are born again by the spirit of God, that Jesus Jesus lives in us and that our role then becomes to deny ourselves and to allow Jesus to live his life in and through us. And we as followers of Jesus Christ become conduits of the blessing of God in our community and around the world. Kent Hughes says this, he said, the truth is that the only money that we will ever see again is that which we give away. 
What is God calling us to in the way that we live? We should be a people known for radical generosity, for, for generosity that blesses our neighbor, that blesses people that we're around, that, 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 that live sacrificially so that the gospel may go forth and the people might know the love of Christ. And Paul breaks out then. We gotta finish this thing. Stay with me. We're close. Verse 20, now to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever, amen. He breaks out in worship and praise to our great God. All glory to him. He says, greet every saint, not just old people. That wasn't what it meant. Remember all the saints, those who are in Christ Jesus. He said, greet every saint in Jesus Christ. The brethren who are with me, greet you. So he says, those who are with me, greet you. And, and you're part of this, by the way. That's what he's saying here. He says, listen, your partnership in the gospel from the beginning to now, the gospel's gone forth. This is part of your account. It's worked in that way. All the saints, he says, the brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you. And then he throws this in. He said, especially those of Caesar's household. Now, Rome, uh, so, so Philippi is this little colony of Rome. And maybe they've been following instruction of Paul like he would have given in 1 Timothy 2 where he would talk about lifting prayers and entreaties in, in for those who are in power and for, for those who are in governing places and, and that, that we would be praying and seeking the welfare and good of them. Maybe they've been praying for those leaders in Rome and Paul says, all the saints greet you. And by the way, he says that, that those in Caesar's household, the gospel has gone forth and it's impacted Rome. And, and years following this, we would see just incredible movement of Christianity in Rome. And could it be that the apostle Paul, as he is chained to these guards and as the gospel goes forth and is there contributing and supporting that they're part of what God has done that has taken the world by storm of the gospel as, as the gospel has gone forth in power and he says the grace of the Lord Jesus be with your spirit he says you're, you've been a part right he said you've been a part of what's happening in Caesar's household you've been a part of all those things and, and what we need to see is that Jesus is our treasure. Saints of God, it is not the things of this world. God has given us those things. They're blessings. We enjoy them. People work all their lives. Do not get caught up. And, and, and young people, don't get caught up in this thought that somehow you will spend your entire life trying to attain this treasure that somehow promises to fulfill that, that all these worldly needs and all these things, all these, these desires and the greed. And if you just have this and have this, that somehow you'll have this treasure that will satisfy. People are giving their lives every day for a treasure they hope to attain. But I want you to understand that the greatest treasure that we could ever experience, the Lord Jesus Christ, he gave himself so that he could purchase us in the shed blood of Christ. The treasure, Jesus, our greatest treasure, gives himself so that we can be purchased by him and through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And he is our treasure. He is enough. You've been purchased. You've been bought with a price. God doesn't want our stuff. As we close, we're, we're gonna worship here in just a moment. And God doesn't want our stuff. Understand, God wants you. He doesn't want our stuff. He wants us. The Bible says that God so loves the world that he gave. He gave his one and only son. The scripture says that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. See, the reality is that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
But the gospel is the beautiful good news that God did something for us while we could not earn it, while we could not, uh, we didn't deserve it, that in the person of Jesus Christ, that Jesus stepped out from the glories of heaven, that he, that he humbled himself. And as we read in Philippians chapter two, that he humbled himself and that he was obedient even to the death of a cross, that he took on flesh and he dwelt among us. He died for our sins on the cross and he was placed in a bar tomb and on the third day, He rose from the grave. He was raised from the dead. And whoever would believe and trust in him would be saved. So I'm going to pray for us. And if you, listen, when you come today, please don't hear. We don't want anything from you. What Paul says in this is, is that God wants something for you. And ultimately, he wants your life. He wants everything in surrender and obedience to him. And if you've never trusted Jesus, I pray that you would recognize the generosity and great sacrifice that was given in your place on the cross, that he who knew no sin became sin on your behalf so that you might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Will you pray with me? Father, we pray, God, that in these moments as we worship you, God, as we close our time together, Lord, that God, that, that if there's someone here that's never trusted you, God, that they would see the great sacrifice that was given in their place on the cross of Christ. That, Lord, you took all of our sin, all of our shame, all, God, the, the, the punishment that we deserve, the wrath of God that should have been poured out on us, and that, that, that the Father poured it out on Christ in our place. And that when we look to the cross and believe that what Jesus did, that it counted for me, we believe and trust in the finished work of the cross and surrendering our life, we could be saved. We could experience the gift of salvation. And God, I pray for every person in this room, Lord, for those that don't know you, I pray today would be a day of surrender. God, I pray, Lord, for those of us that do know you, God, that that if there have been places of our life that we are holding tight to, places that we don't trust you, Lord, that, that today would be another day, God, where we would repent where we would recognize, Lord, that we've put our, our trust in the things of this world, that we put our hope in so many of those things. And God, we pray that today, Lord, would be a day where we could recognize that, that we could repent, Lord, and we could rest in you, God, knowing, Lord, that you are great and mighty God, and you've demonstrated your love to us in ways that are greater than we could ever imagine. Have your will and way in our lives, in Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand in worship?